This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Even the merriest time of year can lay home to some of the most frightening paranormal encounters. Join us as we visit two towns that have more than just Christmas spirit. In North Pole, Alaska, a family finds unexpected guests in their new home. We also travel to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania to explore the Christmas city's haunted Bethlehem Hotel, where spirits from different time periods inhabit the building. This is episode number nine of Hometown Ghost Stories. John had been on the road for hours. It was late, it was dark, and they were both exhausted from the drive. Deciding they couldn't push on to finish their road trip to visit family for the holidays, they decided to find a hotel to stay in. Just outside of the town of Bethlehem, they booked a room at the Bethlehem Hotel. They arrived at the hotel, checked in, and were given a key to room 932. As they rode the elevator up to the room, they were both excited to take a shower and get a few hours sleep before hitting the home stretch the next day. They entered the room, and Deborah immediately went to turn on the shower so that it would be nice and hot. As she turned the handle, a figure of a man in the mirror caught the corner of her eye. She turned towards it and said, You scared me, John. Yet he wasn't there. What did you say, babe? He said from the other room. Oh, nothing. I just thought I saw you in here. Must be seeing things from being on the road so long, she replied. John came into the bathroom, and as they showered, they began to hear stuff banging in the main area of the room. As they dried off and stepped into the hall area, they saw their suitcases had fallen off the bed and onto the floor. That's weird. I don't remember putting them so close to the edge, John said. The couple finished getting dressed and got right into bed. Several hours later, both were awoken by a thump at the same time. As they looked up, they saw the shadow of a man standing over them, and he angrily whispered, Why are you in my room? Panicking, John immediately reached for the desk light. Yet, by the time he turned it on, the man had vanished. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is the Hometown Ghost Stories Christmas Special. North Pole, Alaska, and Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. North Pole, Alaska. The area of North Pole, Alaska started off as a homestead in the 1940s and 50s. In 1952, a development company purchased one of the larger homesteads in the area, subdivided it, and renamed it North Pole, with the intention of trying to lure a toy manufacturer to the area. In 1953, it was officially incorporated as a town. It is located 1,700 miles south of the Earth's actual North Pole. However, the conditions can be almost as fierce. In January and February, the town's attraction... Santa Claus House is generally closed due to extreme cold. The North Pole Haunting Lori, Keith, and their daughter Megan couldn't be more excited. They had been searching for months and had finally bought the home of their dreams in the town of North Pole. This was a modest house, but it fit their needs perfectly. Keith often traveled for weeks at a time for work, so it was nice for the family to have him home during the initial move-in. Everything was going great that first week. And with things for the most part in place, Keith decided to return to work, and this is where things started to take a turn. Lori began to wake up in the middle of the night, the footsteps walking down the hallway. Initially, she thought maybe this was just her daughter going to the bathroom or grabbing some water. It continued night after night. She decided to get up and check on her. 
For three straight nights, she reached her door to enter the hallway upon hearing it. The sound would immediately stop, and she'd find Megan deep asleep in her bed. Perplexed, she would return to bed, thinking this was just the moans and groans of a slightly older house. One of the following nights, it was a different sound entirely that woke her up. Something in her closet was going off as she opened her eyes. It took Lori a few seconds to get her bearings, after being woken up from such a deep sleep. But the sound was pretty unmistakable. It was the sound of white noise coming from a radio. Honing in on it coming from her closet, she remembered she had put one of her old radio alarm clocks in there. She got up and headed to the closet. The thought being something had shifted and turned it on. All she had to do was remove the batteries. She went into the closet, found the alarm clock buried amongst other items. She opened the battery lid and went to reach for the batteries, but none were there, and the alarm clock immediately stopped. Megan began having some experiences on her own after this. Keith had returned from his work trip, and Megan was in her room getting some of her homework done. When someone began banging on her door, and it startled her, she went and opened the door, and no one was there. Figuring her father was playing a joke on her, she returned to her bed to finish her assignment, and this time, somebody started scratching at her door. Puzzled, she checked once again, and yet again, nothing was there. Her father, being the only other person home, she went to the living room and asked him if he was messing with her. Clearly puzzled, he asked, What do you mean? And she explained the knocking and scratching on the door. Keith was adamant it wasn't him and told Megan she must be imagining it. A few weeks later, while Keith was on a work trip, Lori and Megan would have their first joint experience. Megan was watching TV and quickly saw a black figure pass by her in her peripheral vision. She was pretty sure it wasn't her mother, so she got up to check. As she rounded the corner, she briefly saw a teenage boy with black eyes staring back at her. She turned and let out a yell. Lori came running from the other end of the house. Puzzled to see her daughter sobbing, she was about to ask her what happened, but before she could, they both heard a loud scream of a girl from the living room. When they approached the room, no one was there. They decided to call Keith and tell him what they've been experiencing. He wanted to be supportive, but he hadn't seen anything himself and didn't know how. That would change. The family decided to take a vacation on one of Keith's off weeks. At this point, it was something needed by the whole family. They packed up, made sure they hadn't forgotten anything, and headed out. After a week of rest and relaxation, they returned home, happy. But that wouldn't last long either. As they unlocked the door and headed in, Megan walked to her room with her duffel bag of clothes. When she opened the door, she couldn't believe what she saw. Her entire room had been trashed, items thrown everywhere, bed moved, dressers tipped over, mirrors broken, yet nothing was missing and not one other room in the house was disturbed. The whole family now in distress. Lori posted on a local town page and asked if anyone else had ever experienced anything like this. She received a private message from someone in town that asked her if she knew what happened previously in that house. She wasn't sure what she meant and the woman let her know about a teenage boy that had died in the home. The boy was home with his sister one day and some sort of argument had broken out. He went and grabbed the family's rifle and pointed it at himself. It's believed he did this just to scare his sister. However, the gun accidentally went off and the boy didn't survive. Family now convinced that this was a spirit haunting them. They called the paranormal team to see if they could help them. The team agreed to do an overnight investigation. What they found were massive spikes of activity in Megan's room. As they focused their investigation on the room, they noticed that the majority of the EMF readings they'd capture were from Megan's guitar. The more the team focused on the guitar, the more activity they'd get. Flashlights turning on and off, as well as footsteps throughout the house, and the feeling of constantly being watched were a few of the things the team encountered. They were pretty sure that the guitar had become an object that the boy had attached himself to, as he was also known to play the guitar. They suggested getting rid of the guitar to the family family took the advice 
and have not since experienced even one event. Could the boy finally be at rest, or is he still haunting wherever the guitar is now? Bethlehem, Pennsylvania Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is located in the Lehigh Valley region of eastern Pennsylvania and was founded in 1741. In 1762, Bethlehem built the country's first waterworks that allowed water to be pumped for public use. When George Washington and his troops stayed in Valley Forge, he stored his personal belongings at the farmer James Burnside in Bethlehem, which operated as a historical museum until 1998. The Bethlehem Steel Corporation, founded in 1857, was once the second largest steel producer in the United States. On December 7, 1937, during a large ceremony held at the Bethlehem Hotel, a large wooden star was lit followed by musical performances, and the town officially adopted the nickname of Christmas City, USA. The Bethlehem Hotel Bethlehem Hotel sits on the same site of a few historic buildings that came before it. Originally, it was the site of the first house built in Bethlehem in 1741, which stood until 1823 when the Eagle Hotel would replace it. In 1921, the Bethlehem Hotel would open on the grounds of where both the previous buildings once stood, and some guests have seemingly been there longer than the hotel. May Yowie May was born in the Eagle Hotel in April of 1866. Her grandfather Caleb owned and operated the hotel. While a young woman, she started out singing and dancing for guests at the hotel in the lobby. From there, she started traveling across the country and the world performing, where she became a bit of a celebrity. She eventually caught the eye of Frances Hope, owner of the Hope Diamond. For those unfamiliar with the diamond, it has a bit of a reputation for being cursed. From being eaten by a pack of wolves, to beheadings, to murders, many who have owned or worn the diamond have tragic endings. It was no different for May, as after her and Frances divorced, her life started a downward spiral into poverty until her death. Guests at the Bethlehem Hotel have reported hearing a woman singing in the lobby with nobody else present. The piano in the lobby has also started playing briefly on its own. Even in death, May is still trying to entertain the guests of the hotel. Frances Thomas Francis began his working life as a courier in the late 1740s. During these times, this was considered an extremely dangerous career. Francis would have a few near-death experiences on the job. One time while riding, his horse broke through a layer of thin ice, plummeting both of them into freezing cold water. Another time, he was thrown from his horse and broke his neck. It was a miracle that he was able to survive. At this point, he decided to change careers. He attended to guests that visited the original house in Bethlehem, and it is said that people were overly fond of Francis, as he was always kind and willing to help in any way that he could. Staff of the hotel believe that Francis still wanders around, attempting to help the guests. The boiler room is an especially active spot, where it is believed Francis moves things around and has been spotted on multiple occasions. Mrs. Brong Mr. and Mrs. Brong were landlords of the hotel in 1833 until the hotel's committee terminated them. Mr. Brown would have a drink with the guest on most nights, until he was unable to stand and even had a bench hotel staff would move into. Mrs. Brown also had a very strange habit of her own. She would never wear shoes or stockings in the hotel, and in 1833 this was almost considered scandalous. Guests were shocked when they would be greeted with a woman who had her legs exposed, which created talk amongst guests for sure. Kitchen staff and guests alike have both reported seeing a woman in period clothing while also being barefoot specifically walking around the kitchen and restaurant areas of the hotel, which without a doubt would have to be Mrs. Bong. And then there's room 932. Without a doubt, the most haunted area of the hotel is room 932. The funny part is, no one seems to know why. 
A lot of the reports for this room were given before the hotel even started embracing the haunted history of the place, with no way of individual guests knowing each other's experiences. Yet, a lot of guests would report the same experiences to the staff. Some of these experiences include lights flashing and orbs floating amongst older photos. Others have reported even more incredible stories. Papers defying the laws of physics and standing on their sides. And books have been known to go flying off the desk in the nightstands. And most horrifying, there's the sightings. People have seen reflections in the mirror of a person, yet no one else is in the room. There have also been sightings of a man at night. The guests have woken up to see. He's even whispered to some of them, Why are you in my room? and disappears before they're even able to turn on the lights. And unlike the rest of the hotel, there is no explanation on who this man could be. Are you brave enough to book a night in room 932 to try and uncover the mystery? What's up, everybody? Welcome in episode nine of Hometown Ghost Stories. <clears throat> that was the story of North Pole, Alaska, as well as Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we did um, two different towns this week. Um, towns that would be a little tougher. Well, Bethlehem, we could probably do a whole episode on if we really wanted to. There's other stuff in that town, but as far as North Pole, Alaska. This was the only story I could find, so felt with the whole Christmas theme, it'd be better to just knock that story out, do one in Bethlehem, and uh, kind of make it two different towns for this one. Yeah, and it was a good, uh, good little Christmas episode. Casher was in the chat; he was very enthused. Good to see that. I have my Christmas hat on. That's so fun for the uh, audio listeners. This is what you're missing out on: is that in our fun Christmas overlay. So we're very festive here at Hometown Ghost Stories for the Christmas special that Rob put together for us. We are. Uh, I feel like these uh, snowmen are going to attack me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Specifically yeah. looking at Dave. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that North Pole one, there was real limited information on it. I found like one article on it, and the only other thing was an episode of of hauntings in Alaska, which I was unaware was a show, but mm. that was the only two sources. But so I thought it was, I'm going to be honest at first. I thought it was a fake story um, because that's the first place that I found it, but I was able to track down an article and then I kind of dug a little bit into the obituaries for the year that was mentioned on when the boy passed away and I was able to find his obituary. So the whole story does add up everything, you know, in terms of like what's represented is, you know, is there. It checks out. Yep. It does check out. So I um, had to do a little bit more digging than I thought on that one. But yeah, I, I didn't want to just like throw something that wasn't, that wasn't, you know, factually there for like one of our main stories. So that was cool. And I like the, uh, the story of the, historic hotel Bethlehem. There seems to be quite a few hauntings um, in that hotel. You mentioned, uh, was it May, May Yohi? Yeah, May Yowie. 
Um, Yowie, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Yep. She was pretty interesting. She, like I said, she was born in her, her grandfather owned the Eagle Hotel, which is where the Hotel Bethlehem is sitting now. So growing up, she actually performed. That's where she like got her bearings as a performer would be in the hotel lobby for all the guests. And from there, she started traveling and performing. And as the story went, she met Francis Hope. Um, was the first American woman to ever wear the Hope Diamond, which were you guys aware of the the, the history of the Hope Diamond at all? No, this was news to me. So I wasn't either. Um, and when I was like digging around on this story, of course, you come across the Hope Diamond stuff and it's like you go through the history of what has happened to people that have been the owner or possessed the Hope Diamond. And it's like, like I mentioned in the episode, there's been people that have been like, um, eaten by wolves, uh, like deaths, suicides, um, gone completely broke. She she went completely broke. You know, she's, yeah, she married. She remarried a, a soldier, and yep. he basically robbed her, and then they divorced. Yep. It says he stole her jewelry. I don't know if that means he stole the Hope Diamond. I'm assuming she didn't get the Hope Diamond. No, no. When they got divorced, that goes back. That went yeah, back to France. Like, Hope. Uh, them saying that he stole her jewelry was trying to imply that, but clearly that's uh, not the case. But I mean, it sounds like she did get robbed and she ended up broke. And uh, she's supposed to haunt the third floor exercise room. And she's uh, so that's when she, that's where she's been spotted. And then she's been spotted in the lobby as well. And it also reports that there's a player piano that turns on by itself. And it's said to be her playing the player piano. Player piano is those pianos that will play by themselves. But you do have to physically turn them on and put a role in the piano. Oh, did you see that it was a player piano? Because when when I read one or two stories, they said that it was not a player piano. Oh, this one article I'm looking at right now says it was. But okay, I mean, who knows? So that that's why I thought it was more interesting because they had said that it wasn't even a player piano. So Um, maybe she she's the variable that makes it a player piano. Yeah, that, that would change things. So that's that's true. I mean, it's uh, obviously it would take a lot for a ghost to be able to play a piano, whether it's a player piano or not. But I don't know with the with the songs that come out of a player piano. It's very like ragtimey kind of like saloon music type songs that would play. Is very and they're very elaborate songs. Like that would just be kind of silly. Like I mean, obviously creepy that it starts playing by itself, but right. If it just starts playing, you're like, hello, my darling. You know, it's like, not really the most scary song. <laughs> um, and then there's also in that same hotel, there's room 932. That's the room with a boo. That's yeah, I didn't include that tagline in the episode because, like, I was like, oh, man, that is just some that's really good, yeah, that's corny nice. marketing that I did not care for. <laughs> Would you um, say in the room with a boo? Yeah, but the the. So, like, we had the other three people that, that haunt the hotel, right? May Yowie, um, God, I forget the second guy, and, the, and Francis, Mrs. Braun. Fra- Francis Daddy Thomas. Yeah, I did not include his nickname either. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, so, we'll just, I guess we'll hit on those two first before we get to 932. Francis Thomas, they, they talked about how... Call, call him Daddy. I will not. <laughs> um, they talked about like how he was always fearless his entire life. And that's why he became a courier. And we knew like, I mean, I'm not sure how familiar you guys were, but I knew that couriers back in that time, like that job was hell. Just the conditions you were, you were 
working under in terms of just you a horse and a letter, man. Like you're just trying to get it to wherever you're supposed to get it to, however mm-hmm. you can get it. And um, within a time frame, so a lot of couriers would die on that job. Yeah. I mean, he got yeah, if you, if you think about burned. it, that, if that makes sense. But at first, when it's like he was fearless because he was a mailman, it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it says he was once thrown from his horse and he broke his neck. Yeah, so, so he was brought home for dead, but somehow he survived it. I want this on my gravestone if you guys don't mind. Um, it says, as a younger man, he was known for having a total disregard for danger. <laughs> He rode a horse. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, side note, very difficult to find any photos from like the 1800s of a man being thrown from a horse. So if you're ever, if you're ever really looking for that photo, it's not going to be there. You found some um, interesting B-roll footage for that. What was the footage of the uh, domestic dispute with the guy with the that clearly just came off a pickup basketball game? <laughs> yeah, that just... <laughs> I just looked for uh, our argument. Yeah. It worked for the episode. Yeah, sure. <laughs> taking, um, taking photos in the 1800s was like a big deal. You had like right. a guy with a hood and like the big like flash bulb. And was, was that 1800s? Yeah, like late 1800s, right? Yeah. Well, and, that's uh, why. You had to like people... time it out. So it's like you're not catching a, a freak accident of someone getting tossed from a horse. Right. Well, <laughs> that's why most photographs of people in the 1800s were when they were dead. Yeah. That's they true. would prop them up on yep. like you know, bars and like take their photo after they died, which is the creepiest shit ever. Um, but, but yeah, just going back to the episode, you know, Francis, he, I I think what you see a lot with, especially hotel hauntings or house hauntings, you just see these people that they were in such a routine in a place and they're so connected with somewhere that even if the place is rebuilt, they they still have um, th- their presence is still felt there. So like even though the hotel was rebuilt, or in Francis's case, he was there for the first house, which was obviously much smaller, was not a hotel level house. Right. Or, you know, he still found in the area because he just had such a connection to to being there. Um, going back to the first part, I know I'm skipping around here, but that that North Pole episode, the thing that that bothers me a little bit about it. And like we said, there's no rules here. We don't. And if there are, we don't know them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But he's already haunting the house when they, when they get there. So then what the paranormal team discovers is he's connected to the daughter's guitar. And the solution to make the haunting stop was to get rid of the guitar and why is he connecting to an object that wasn't his own? Yeah, and like we said, we don't know the rules, but I mean, it's probably possible that he attached to an object, especially if he used to be a guitar player, I guess. But um, it's a little strange. Yeah, yeah. do a- attach to objects according to the occult theories. Like you can enchant, you know, like um, there's black magic spells that can attach a spirit to an object or confine it into right but if there something. isn't a spell or something but is it just like find an object and attach itself to it well people unintentionally do things too um in like ed warren talks about it a lot in his books well people like not necessarily like an object but they'll accidentally conjure something or they'll accidentally attach something to themselves 
mm-hmm. I guess it could happen to a, an object, especially, especially if, um, like you said, the guy was a musician and it's a guitar. All right, that's fair yeah. then. I just like that was the only part of because like I I'm not against like the the theory that they attach to stuff. It was just the fact that it wasn't the fact that it wasn't his guitar. It wasn't his guitar, so, right? And, and the ghost was there before the guitar was there. So oh, right. so getting rid of the guitar, he, he was just ghost. waiting for someone to bring a guitar by. So it was, it was like, you know. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we got rid of the guitar and the haunting stopped. And it's like, well, who did you infect with this guitar? Yeah, where, where, is this where, is, where did you <laughs> <laughs> like? Like, is it just a, like, and they're like, he's at peace. It's like, no, you didn't put him to peace. You moved the guitar. Yeah. So, so is he like haunting a landfill yeah, now? He's just, he's just angrily haunting a pawn shop now. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, like, home. like, yeah. So like, you can't say he's at peace because you removed the object. I hate when people would be like, now the ghost is like, you just like, you just decided like yeah. you did some arbitrary shit and you, now you're the one who's, who's saying that the ghost is at peace yeah, yeah. that annoys but me if, but they did say that at that point there hasn't been any more hauntings at the house right so yeah at the house does that necessarily mean that <laughs> metaphor the, the guitar yeah so. yeah so they didn't say where they put it like i said so it's like either like you said in a pawn shop or some new poor family is or, or just a paranormal investigators guitar room <laughs> what's up <sir? laughs> i'm gonna get rid of this and your jewelry for you Somebody should uh, check and make sure to see if that paranormal investigator is a guitarist. And he just didn't walk in and was like, I like this guitar. I got an idea. <laughs> Love me. Yeah, I think haunted. I'll get rid of it for you. <laughs> and all of your nice things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is infected too, all this There's jewelry. Wears, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that should be our new shtick. Like we're just paranormal. <laughs> we'll come into your house and remove all the haunted items. <laughs> all the haunted jewelry. <laughs> Oh, all this, this safe, money. This safe's got to go. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's no time to clear it out. I got to get this out of the house. But I would like the combination, please. Anyways, uh, yes. The, the ghost of Daniel really liked money. He's attached himself to all yours. <laughs> I can get rid of this for you. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, so skipping back over to Hotel Bethlehem, you know, we Mrs. Brong obviously was the landlord, was right? The landlord of the hotel, which was a weird term, but I mean, obviously things were different back then. Um, and I thought when I first started reading about the couple, this was back when it was the Eagle hotel, right? Right. When it was the Eagle, um, it's the story started about Mr. Brong and Mr. Brong like would sit in the bar and the, the guests would always ask him to have a drink with them. And he would always oblige. He'd be like, yep, I'll have drinks with you. And he would just get blackout drunk like every night. So like I'm reading the story about this and I'm like, oh, so this is going to be a story of him haunting the bars or whatever. And then it turns and it's like, no, Mrs. Brong, she she like went against the norm and wouldn't wear stockings, which was scandalous in the 1800s and mm-hmm. wouldn't wear shoes. So um it's part of the reason that they, they got fired, basically, because they were so... Yeah, they weren't in there for that long. I guess they yeah. got fired after, like, six months. But Wouldn't wear shoes? She yeah, wouldn't, she wear, wouldn't shoes. wear shoes. Her husband was, was getting she, absolutely was she, trashed. Was she and four? They would, they would move him to <laughs> Put a Put your bench. shoes on. I would, no. I would fire this couple. They're trashed on the job, and the other one's just walking around the hotel without shoes or socks on. Like, yeah. dude, get these lunatics out of here. <laughs> Surprised yeah. they lasted six months. So uh, say hello to Cody from Taps. Thanks for joining us. Um, hello, Cody from Taps. Oh, what's up, Cody from Taps? Um, also, so yeah, basically, 
the cool thing about that though is it's like so distinct that like when you see a woman in that time period clothing and she's not wearing stockings and shoes and you go back and you read about the history of the hotel it's like a clear one one way to tell who that is it's very visually distinct so that's pretty cool yeah, let's um, say the kitchen staff and dinner guests have often spotted a woman in period clothing walking around with no shoes or socks. And Mr. Brong is primarily in the kitchen or restaurant area of the hotel. I wonder if he still haunts the bench that they would drag him to when he was <laughs> blackout drunk. Yeah, that would uh, that'd be pretty cool if that object was still laying around. So tell and me then, about, oh, sorry, go ahead. And then I was going to say, and then there's room 932. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. The room with a boo. The room with a boo. So... What I found interesting about it is because like I do, I'm, I'm always skeptical about everything I look at first and they're marketing the room, right? So they're marketing it as a haunted room and they rent it out as such. Mm -hmm. But before they even did that, they were getting a lot of um, stories from guests that weren't going there for that, obviously, because what happened with the hotel is when, when the steel, the steel mill or whatever it is in the town closed in the nineties, the hotel shut down. It was vacant for 10 years and and a private um, collection of people or one person came and bought the hotel. They restored it and they started renting it out again. And as they started renting it out, people that would stay in that room would tell them of these events. And like a lot of them overlapped, like, the stuff, the books flying off of the desk, the, you know, seeing the shadow of a man, a few people heard him whisper to him, you know, the, why are you in my room or something to that effect? Yep. So, and clearly it's not being posted about and these people are saying the same stuff. So yeah, I guess in 2007 they had, um, uh, Paranormal investigators go in there and they got uh, recordings of voices. One of them said, it's Mary. Another one said, what a beautiful room. The other one says, I've locked myself in the closet. And then another one said, look out the window. But it's Mary is a big one. I mean, if that's... Uh, I bet the one that locked itself in the closet was the same one that wouldn't put her shoes on. <laughs> Sounds like that's something that they would do. Yeah. Uh, which one is... Oh, Okay, so Mary is the actual name of, of May. I can't remember how to say her last name. How do you pronounce it? it uh, Yowie. Yowie. Yeah. So her actual name is Mary Augusta Yowie. So that May yeah. is just the nickname for her. So when with this, if that's legit and they caught, you know, an EVP of saying it's Mary. Then I do believe we touched on this last week. Everyone from that time period was named Mary. Everyone's <laughs> named Mary. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's either Mary or, or Bathsheba. Or Elizabeth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Elizabeth's <laughs> Elizabeth too. Yeah. They yeah. killed off most of the Bathshebas though. They yeah. They're like, which is yeah. not doing this name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so like the room, it's like just really interesting. It's, I would love to go stay in that room. Um, I was actually supposed to go work in Allentown two weeks ago. See, that would be the only reason to stay in that room other than just staying in the room. Cause I mean, it's Pennsylvania. Right. So I was, if I, <laughs> if I went there or if I go there in the future, I'm staying there. Like I'm going to, yeah, I guess you gotta, you gotta book it pretty, pretty well in advance according to the hotel's website. Yeah. So. I'm sure, um, which, well, you know, everything I do for work is last minute, so that probably won't happen, but, and, but it, it's, it's just such an interesting story. And there's just, I love when you can find hotels or, or mansions or anything like that, that have multiple spirits 
that yeah multiple spirits and this is even like the same location with multiple hotels which is kind of cool because you basically have you know whatever hauntings could be happening in hotel bethlehem and then whatever it was called before um yeah because it was was built on the same location right so you still have the ones that could be on the the eagle hotel right yeah the eagle hotel and the original house that was built in the town before that so like just anytime we can do stories that you can just knock out like like you just you just talk about multiple people at the same place. Like those are the ones. I mean, I like all of them. I like every story we do. Mm-hmm. But what really always sticks out to me is like stuff with like deep history like that. Yeah, is always my absolute favorite stories to hear. Yeah, and uh, that's what we'll be getting to next week. So next week we're gonna run the San Antonio episode. There has and, to be uh, history for there to be a ghost story. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Although. Kind of. I mean, it, like, if you go back all the way back to the uh, episode, 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 yeah, that was, you know, quite possibly something that maybe attached it to a uh, to a person. But yeah, so I mean, speaking of haunted hotels with a history, uh, I think uh, next week episode is going to be right up that alley. So uh, we have the Emily Morgan Hotel. A lot of history tied to that one. It's going to be very cool. And we had the privilege of staying in this hotel and doing an investigation there. So a lot to get into next week for sure. Um, anything else you want to touch on on these two locations there, Rob? Um, no, no, unless you guys had any specific questions about any of it. I think we went pretty deep into it, and it was pretty good. Very cool episode. It was cool to have a little christmas theme one. So Bethlehem was just because it was called Bethlehem. That didn't really tie into well, it's called other than the name of the town, right? They're also considered Christmas City, USA. So Oh, Christmas City, yes. Yeah, so they, they redeemed good. Christmas City, USA, and North Pole is obviously... North Pole. I don't, you know, think, like, I don't think we needed to tell anybody what the connections were. I think it was pretty clear. <laughs> yeah. But it was good to have a nice I mean, I, I was Let me connect the dots for you. <laughs> I, I mean, trying to find stuff that actually happened on Christmas is... I found some, but let me just tell you, as you guys know, sifting through some of these stories that we have to sift through, they're not good. There's, There's a, a lot, lot of, of uh, fictional ghost stories about Christmas. Right, but that's there's no- great fictional stories about Christmas. Like yeah. Krampus, <laughs> Krampus is good. Oh my god! Um, you guys, I know you guys don't, Dave. I don't know if you've experienced it yet, but they put Christmas, they put Krampus into Warzone, and it's the worst thing they've ever done. He just hunts you, and you, it takes like a million bullets to kill him. It's it's completely ruined the game. So that's Warzone. my that's my yeah that's my oh. Christmas. Is it like a story. special? Yeah, it's like a limited um, like, limited time event. It's no, but just, is it like when they do the zombies in um, like Halloween time? You can do that as an option, or you can just do no, it no, no. It's just in <laughs> Caldera now, and it's just this stupid. Like it's, it ruined like four games for us last night. We're like, we're done, we're done. Krampus won't stop hunting us. It just ruins the whole game. Anyways, that's my horror Christmas story is having to do with Krampus and Warzone. Anyways, uh, so next week we get San Antonio. Uh, me and Dave went out there. We brought Andrew. We're gonna bring on Andrew. For the episode, Captain McSlugs from TikTok. You can check him out. He's uh, very famous on TikTok. So 1.2 million followers for Captain McSlugs. But we all went out there, seen the Emily Morgan Hotel. And I'm going to say, the staff was very accommodating. We're like, hey, can we have a haunted room? And they're like, all right, well, uh, we're like, which floor is the most haunted? They're like, the seventh. I'm like, all right, boom, give us, give us the seventh floor. So they put us on there. The seventh floor was a... We'll get, get into all this stuff next week. But it was the former psych ward level of the... Oh, the uh, medical arts. So basically before it was a hotel, it was a uh, basically a hospital, like a medical arts building, but the whole seventh floor was the psych ward. 
And the hotel staff was even willing to share some of their ghost experiences with us, which is pretty cool. It was, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll tell that tale for sure. Should be a good one. And then uh, what, what are we doing after San Antonio? Are we doing Conjuring House? We should yep. be. Yeah, that's going to be the Conjuring House episode <laughs> in two weeks. And then after that, I should have the two-parter for Alton, Illinois. Ready to go. Mm. Can't be doing this. No, no, no. It's Illinois. <laughs> Welcome back, Rob. All right, cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure to uh, subscribe on YouTube, and we'll be back next week with the San Antonio episode featuring Catholic Mix Slugs. It should be very exciting. Gentlemen, Rob, nice job on the Christmas episode. All right. Bye, Bye everybody. I am a little disappointed that you guys didn't wear Christmas hats, too. But, you know, that's Bro, it's a red hat. I, I changed into my red shirt. I saw that, yeah. It's more salmon. <laughs> My head is it, very I think it's red. just a light. It's actually it's a red. It's shirt. a salmon shirt, Dave. I'm wearing green and red. Shirt. I mean, what else do you want from me here? I want a Christmas hat next year. Okay. All right. All right next All year, right. I will wear a Christmas hat. Red. I guess it does still kind of look salmon. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We'll uh, we'll check you out next time. See you. Bye guys.